He's a real nowhere man Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans Doesn't have a point of view That's not where it's going to Isn't he a bit like you from Matt Whipke here on Pacific Street Blues. Matt, of course, uh, known as a singer-songwriter about the area uh, for some few decades now, has a brand new record coming out, and a CD release party. Uh, We're going to talk about that today. Matt's in the studio, and he's got a brand new record out. It's called Gummy Soul, Another Rubber. And clearly, it's a Beatles song there. Yes. Yes. And it's, so the the record, uh, the the album, we, we had the audacity to uh, record reimagined cover versions of every song on Rubber Soul, but also tracks from the U.S. version of Rubber Soul and the U.K. version of Rubber Soul and also the single. So it's like a 19-song Rubber Soul era odyssey. Well, I would say Rubber Soul, you take a Rubber Soul and you take a Revolver, and I think that's the best yes. songwriting period for the Beatles. It's it's, it's my personal favorite like yeah. snapshot. There's some on, you know, obviously... All over the place, but that's sure. just that's a really awesome two album period of bands. You know, George Harrison said in interviews that he sometimes thought it was this, just one long session. He kind of what? thought it was yeah. the same record. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I because they both came out in what sixty five, sixty six. So the the Rubber Soul came out in December of, of nineteen sixty five. Okay, believe, right around for like kind of their Christmas 
time mm-hmm. release, and then uh, I believe August of '66 was Revolver. So you did the whole album, whole thing. Now, now that's kind of other artists have done that. It seems to be kind of a not a trend really, but uh, we see it more often. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's definitely been done, and maybe you kind of hear about it here and there. But it's still like it's a it's a fun it's a really unique thing to try to do, uh, especially for someone like myself. I mean, mostly been doing. Originals. Only doing original music yeah. for a long time, so we our song drive the our version of Drive My Car was still getting played on Sirius XM. Um, it was getting played for you know whatever reason. It was on an album of ours called Driver a few years ago, and so uh, that exposure of that it was like I've always kind of wanted to tackle the whole thing. I don't know, I just thought it'd be fun. We just played that song a couple weeks ago, so listeners can nice. probably go back and catch it on the podcast. Yeah, that's it. it, it that was song was done. On, it's funny because it was. Some things are done on such a whim. That song was done so quick and just on a whim, and I kind of had the arrangement, and it it's probably one of my most, most popular ones I, I've done. So. so so, you've been doing these kind of concept records, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. this is another concept. Yeah. How, how did you settle into Rubber Soul, though? I mean, you're kind of walking on holy ground here. It is. It's, uh, it's I think it's... It, um, at least for me, it, doing it, it was, it was, it was quite fun, a ton of fun. It was, uh, it felt adventurous, felt at times like slightly irreverent, uh, audacious, you know, um, it was a fun, all the feelings it inspired were very conducive to, uh, creativity and being artistic. It was so, just, it was, so, it was great. It was a great time. You're a very meticulous songwriter and, and you, you're a skilled studio guy. Thank you. So, so when you're taking apart these Beatles songs and redoing the rearrangements, <clears throat> did you learn stuff from McCartney and Lennon? Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the most fun things too. Once we got in the kind of the nuts and bolts of some of these songs that we all have known, but and then I and I, you know, I've learned a few here and there, but some of some of the you know the lesser known ones or less lesser played ones to get into, and you kind of learn how they they have a really unique way of structuring some chord changes that are pretty unique to the Beatles and it's like you hear people would say the phrase oh that's Beatlesque or that's Beatles and you basically start I started out in music with that was to me that was like a more of like a like a an adverb than or an adjective yeah what would it be adjective I think yeah, 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 yeah. more of an adjective than uh then you like you learn later on like oh that's what that's why that's associated with that they have certain things they do and it was cool to like see that progression be like oh that's like the one my guitar gently weaves progression or that's like it's this like chromatic descending progression that they employ on a lot of songs that gives things but to see it to work with it yeah and uh and we had it was fun because the rules were kind of out the window you know it was and you're dealing with songs you know they're great songs and so you get to do the arrangement slightly differently like we're talking about on uh nowhere man you kind of put the uh John Mellencamp, yeah, or, uh, yeah, yeah, just spin a, on it. like a roots rock kind of vibe. I had a version that was kind of like the sad acoustic guy version, yeah. um, and I was vibe, I was feeling it. And then the, one of my best friends reminded me that Paul Westerberg did a version very. That's he's got the the definitive sad guy acoustic version of Nowhere Man. It's okay. on like a movie soundtrack, and actually, was, it's I, it's become a fairly kind of well known Beatles cover, and so it's like okay, opposite way got to go a different direction yeah yeah <clears throat> and i was just imagining i was imagining the beatles all in a like an 80s uh 70s late 70s 80s or 90s like 
beer commercial for like a Molson or like a Keystone Light. Yeah. And like the beer, but the beer's called Nowhere Man. And they're just like high fiving and shooting pool and riding horses. I think you need to go over to Cross Train and talk to those guys. You right. might have something for them. <laughs> I'm telling you. Like, it sounds like it, it like I can, I see it in my head. And so and it's just, yeah, it's the, just when you hear that version, picture the Beatles and like John Mellencamp shooting pool and high fiving for like a, keystone light commercial you know so as you know i i teach poli sci and and there's something kind of unique where you're looking at a, an article by maybe thomas jefferson or looking at an article by martin luther king and you read it and you read it and you read it and eventually it kind of opens up and you're like you're seeing things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise did you go through that with the beatles where uh you're looking at them and you're looking at them and you're getting closer and closer to that muse and you're saying oh my god did you have a moment where you just were totally awestruck by what they'd done um yeah (laughs) yeah a few so we did so there's a couple songs on the record that were um uh on the u.s version rubber soul so we do it's only love which you've played before which is great and then i appreciate that and then we also uh i've just seen a face and that's kind of a, a well-known kind of bouncy country song and i was just reading about you know that some the only reason they were on they were on help in the uk first because it's like three months earlier i don't really, know it's all release so cycles close. yeah yeah, yeah. It, on the u.s one but <clears throat> i was reading that for um yeah for uh I've just seen a face. A pretty well-known song is that they did two songs that day, and the other one was one was yesterday. <laughs> no, or it's just it, that's the stuff that blew my my mind. And that's just a, that's just, that was just a snapshot. But you you'd read those logs as to what songs were done, and there would be like three. Like it's just funny that yesterday, and then and two other songs were done on the same day. So did, you think so somebody would work on yesterday for like a month? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you watch the uh, the um... It was on Netflix where they had the nine-hour breaking down of recording uh, the On the Roof concert. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and he wrote Get Back in like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, he just wrote that song. Yeah. It's it's fun because you know the song. Now, I mean, it's fun too because for anybody that's like kind of written songs or been in bands, and that was, to me, an interesting snippet. It's like, wow, like look at what happened. And like you realize like, well, that's how it happens. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing that's hard to explain to people. It's like, there's nothing, it's cool, that's a song that you know and love and it's a classic, but it had to start somewhere. And honestly, when you're just sitting around waiting for somebody to tune something or like you just fiddling, you got time and that's like, I know, I, I uh, if Scott Gator was here to test that, we'd write, there's a lot of my albums, like certain songs were born from that. Okay. I've heard like Dwight talk about that too. Like that's just the song. And you talk about Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, Dwight Yoakam. So he's got a song called Liar. That's that's really great. And I think he told me, or, or I read somewhere that uh, it just came like that. Like he just literally started strumming it and singing it. Boom! And it's it's a rocker. But you're in the vibe. You're in the zone of. Yeah, it's easy so, to grab things. So for listeners' sake, uh, you kind of have a friendship with Yoakam. You've opened numerous times for him. Toured a, a yeah, bit. Yeah, we got to travel around with Dwight for a couple of years, playing a lot of shows, and, and he's he's a, a great guy, very insightful. Okay, uh, man with uh, incredible pitch. Okay, so uh, we're taking a look at the new album from Matt Whipke. It's called Gummy Soul, Another Rubber. 
And you're going to have a CD release party down at the Jewel, which is located inside the Marriott Hotel at 10th and Capitol. And that's on May 13th, two shows, 6.30 and 8.30? Yep, 6.30 and 8.30. And uh, so um, what do you, what is, you've got a lot of guests on the album. Yes, And uh, so are they going to be appearing live as well? Yeah, so we have, for the, uh, what's kind of fun is I kept the people that are playing the show, it worked out in a way that everybody that played on the record is going to be, uh, on, for the most part, at the show, playing on the show, too. So this record was a lot of fun because I got a, I actually got back together with my old, my first like real rock band called The Movies. Okay. And like they, that's Bob Carrick, Doug Bork, and Mike Friedman. And we've, we've all been friends the whole time, but played in a bunch of various bands. You know, Mike's gone all over the world playing pedal steel with Simon Joyner and Doug does his bands. And Bob didn't even live anymore. He lives in Colorado still like just a phenomenal bass player and um it was our 20 year anniversary of uh our first album and i just kind of reached out to everybody and said hey you, whether or not you know it we're old <laughs> in case you haven't figured <laughs> our, that out our looking our in the mirror out 20 years ago and <laughs> yeah. everybody was like kind of reminiscing and then i was like well i'm working on this other thing you know i just it asked mike and then and then uh, Bob and, 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 and Doug, it was great, because it's kind of through the miracles of technology, quite honestly, because Bob doesn't live, he lives in Denver, so he was like, yeah, I don't know, I hate, it's kind of, you always feel dirty revealing the process, when you say, like, he's emailing me the tracks, yeah, which, like, yeah. if you do it, you fully understand, but I, I hope somebody's heart breaks a little when they're like, what? You weren't in the studio <laughs> together? Are you kidding me? You know, every record isn't like the sympathy for the devil, <laughs> you wish it was, I mean, in your head, it is. Yeah. And you're, while you're emailing and dropboxing those tracks, you you picture you know Mick and Keith and all the colorful carpets and the <laughs> huge haze of smoke that was certainly there. But so <laughs> you're, you're using Dropbox. You're not there. So let's take a look at the next track here. It's called uh, "What Goes On," yeah. which you had pointed out was kind of an obscure track. Yeah, and Ringo is the was it's the a, vocalist. It's a Ringo song on the thing, and some people it's just it's it's funny. It's like one of those songs. Like you know, you I'm sure you've all seen the list. Like the every Rolling Stone song ranked, you yeah. Know, every yeah. Beatles song ranked. This is usually towards the bottom, like five percent of like okay. All okay. The, and it it was it it's just, it's it was it had a real country bounce on the record, kind of like a very much like um uh, they're gonna put me in the movies. They had a, act naturally, act naturally, right? Yeah. They, Ringo does the country, so it's kind of. But John really liked this song, and it's really old. I guess it's one of the first songs he ever wrote, like wow. Lennon okay. did. It's unique in the Beatles' history because it, it has a Richard Starkey. It's the only Starkey, Lennon, McCartney. Really? Okay. Yeah, okay. So he wrote like some of the lines, but I, like on the recorded version, the Beatles like it sounds like George's guitar pass. Like it sounds like he didn't know what song he was playing at times. So, and, but the way they worked, this just left it in. Yeah. You know, it's which is unique in a way. So we, so we, you know, I um at least I, we did multiple takes. And try not to you know mess up the changes, so we we adjusted that from the original, you know. But well, let's hear the song right now. This is from the new album from Matt Whipke. It's called Gummy Soul. And Another this is rubber. The movies. This is the movie. What goes on in your heart? What goes on in your mind? You are tearing apart when you treat yourself unkind. What goes on? I saw you walk down the road I saw you with him 
Hey, this is Rick Lucia, and I'm the host of Pacific Street Blues. For more than 32 years, we've been broadcasting here in the Omaha, Nebraska market. We focus on the blues. That's the tie that binds. But we play archival classic rock, classic rock, a lot of local music, and do a lot of interviews with local musicians. So we try to support and help nurture our own community. And I appreciate that you're listening to this podcast Please enjoy, but if you're ever inclined, we air from 9 to noon on 89.7 The River here in the Omaha market, or you can always catch our podcast. Just Google Pacific Street Blues Podcast. It'll pop right up. Take care and enjoy this special online-only interview with Matt Whipke and his new record, Gummy Soul. Dans ma vie, j'ai appris pas mal de, de choses. Il y a des hommes qui savent comment parler à une femme Et puis d'autres qui ne trouvent pas les mots Et pourtant, ils sont si charmants Michel, ma belle These are words that go together I love you, I love you, I love you That's all I want to say Until I find a way I will say the only words I know That you understand
maintenant, j'ai compris que les mots ne sont pas nécessaires. L'émotion et le feeling parlent de même. Tu sais, tu n'as pas besoin de mots quand tu parles avec moi. J'écoute ton cœur, il me parle. J'ai le même feeling que toi. Ce feeling, il est à toi. Et il est à moi. The song Michelle by the Beatles as re-envisioned, if you will, by Matt Whipke. Matt's in the studio today. He's got a brand new Soul record coming out, Gummy Soul, Another Rubber. And uh, there is a CD release party. That'll be down at the Jewel at 10th and Capitol inside the Marriott Hotel. That'll be on May 13th with two shows at 6.30 and 8.30. And so uh, this track has kind of an interesting uh, story in that you got a major world-class record producer involved yeah it 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 truly was uh it it worked out great um uh so on that song michelle the the male vocalist is a gentleman named Stephen sheehan he's no gentleman Uh, he's an omaha Omaha legend omaha institution he's an institution uh Stephen sheehan and um and i've honestly been friends with Stephen since well since the movies day so like the last like 20 some years and I just had this idea. It was funny because I was in the McDonald's drive-thru. I just remember exactly where it was when I had this idea. Because growing up, listening to Rubber Soul, I would have to say at 15, this wasn't like when I went to, I didn't go find Michelle on the CD. You right. Know? I wanted, you know, it was, I wanted the, the more of the rockers. But after this experience, it, it could be my, you know, favorite Beatles composition. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know at this point, but yeah, it, but. So I did the thing. I had the idea of Steven singing it in, in French, and we actually were going to do it, the full thing in French. But we cut that vocal that you hear on that song in his Steven's living room, uh, like three three takes. And I put together a work mix. And then, uh, you know, Steven's he's been singing in bands for a long time, you know, back in the digital sex Digital days, sex and the, the world. And-, and so just over the course of his career, he's, you know, made acquaintances with other people sure. in the business. And uh, he passed... Um, a demo uh along just to show his friend uh Stephen Haig like this is something I've been working on recently it's kind of fun and and uh Stephen uh Haig he he really, he enjoyed it um and just said you know let keep me in the loop as it progresses and then he ended up uh actually kind of mixing the song he so, so song tell us uh who is Stephen Haig Stephen Haig he's so a, uh, he's an American born uh record producer and he's like kind of one of those names in the industry where like, I mean, people definitely the name is known, but like yeah. the the his work is is so good and consistent. Like, so he produced, um, you know, his first big number one was the Pet Shop Boys Please album. You okay, know, it's like Weston Girls and all those those classics were him. But he did records with New Order and he produced some Peter Gabriel records and um, did a track off. He did a track on uh, called. Um, to the end which is a blur song on park life and it's the only song he produced it there's another producer but that song is so good <laughs> did, you, did you say he had just recently won a grammy yeah yeah he that. got a grammy he 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 put, has this piano motif it's like six notes and fam- famously mariah carey's honey uses it okay and it was like dun, 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 dun. it was in a song called hey dj which was like an early hip-hop song from like 1985 and it got sampled it basically is one of these motifs that gets sampled by Okay. A lot Everybody, of people. Yeah. And he came up with the lick. So 
I mean, he gets a Grammy. Man. He, that's his. It's that's in the his, song. He gets a Grammy. Yeah, it's his yeah. piano part. Right. You know. So, so you did this with uh, Steve Sheehan uh, yep, from Steve the band Sheehan. Digital Sex. Of course, the uh, creative innovator behind that band, uh, probably the driving force of Digital Sex, and uh, also who's the female? Uh, Kristen Buell is her name. She is a, a an Omaha singer, and um, you know I've known her for a while, and we've did some singing together um back uh a few years ago and i thought she'd be great for this uh, i i gotta say is uh that was incredibly sexy i thought oh the contrast in the voices and her uh on the second half where she kind of came in behind steve yeah and that's i think i i believe i gotta give some credit that's uh i think that might have been ian aiello's idea we recorded her vocal well, because Stephen Haig, it's funny. This is funny how these things kind of work. Like, so his studio is in Paris, and he's got one in the UK in Paris. He lives over across the pond, and then um, he 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 thought it'd be a good idea to have kind of them uh, that vocal play off each other. Okay, her and uh, Stephen uh, Sheans, and then and then my buddy Ian. On very last minute, we got into a studio like within a day of Stephen Haig mentioned that idea and. Uh, Ian kind of put, helped put that all together too. So it was it was a lot of fun. It's just funny how many. I love this song for a lot of reasons, and part of the reasons is how many, the probably like eight different places from from Paris with with Stephen Higgs with his partner Sylvie sing, doing the French poetry at the beginning to the Stephen Sheehan's vocal was done in his living room, right? All right. And then we did Kristen's vocal at Make Believe Studios. There's a world class student in Omaha, the bass. I did recorded in Denver with Bob Kerrigan in his basement. There's little kids running around. So it's just kind of makes me smile. It's kind of like uh, what's that playing for change? Have you how they record bits all over the world? Have you? Oh yes, you, I yeah, have yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and this essentially it can be done. It's kind of fun that when you know, and then someone like Haig can make a, the final picture so cinematic and beautiful. And I just, I'll always think of just Bob in his basement with his dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the bass part, you know. So, so how many tracks in all? Then you took the tracks for all the tracks on the American version of Rubber Soul and the British. Yeah. So how many tracks in all is the album? Um, nineteen. Wow. Okay. And 19. and so this is coming out on uh, Saturday, May thirteenth at the Jewel. Yes. Are you going to have it on vinyl then? You know, I I would love to because it's actually structured as four sides, and if it's just the logistics of doing it on vinyl right now is. This expensive a picture huh? well yeah. it would be a double record so yeah so, i mean co- those are quite costly to, to manufacture um but i could see it in the future you know just not just not at the moment but we'll have it on some good old-fashioned compact disc and i'll tell you what <laughs> working with the compact disc plant making this comp this has given me total like 2007 nostalgia vibes in a way that yeah. i have not experienced because it's it's just funny because cds have sort of gone out of favor but they actually aren't. I kind of have this theory, like people, like teenagers seem to be enjoying CDs. They're days. going to come back and make CDs hip again. <laughs> hey, it's a forty. It's a sixteen-bit forty-four-one WAV file on a you know, a yeah, hard yeah. copy. So, so on this performance, though, you're bringing all the performers who are coming in. The movies are coming in. Yeah, movie, Sheehan's going to yeah, be there. Steven's going to be there to sing. Yeah. Uh, and then Kristen will be there, too. To and this is songs. a one-off deal. So if you want to catch this oh, yeah. show, it's it's two shows only. Yeah, this and that's is a very it. unique. So it, you, and then because of all the vibraphones with Zip playing the actual vibraphones, and Bob Kerrigan is going to come. He's flying in from 
Denver to do the bass and the synth bass and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of it's really unique. And all those people are wonderful friends of mine. We've been playing forever together, and it was just cool to really work with the whole slate of you know my so, life. So you said nineteen tracks. Yeah, and it's uh, the entire uh, Beatles album "Rubber Soul" reinterpreted by Matt Whipke, and and you've won some Omaha Entertainment Awards, so you're a known commodity around here. I'm I'm thinking of uh, right off the top of my head, of course, the P- Penny Park. Yeah, the Penny Park, which is its tenth year, it's its tenth year anniversary for that record. But yeah, so that uh, definitely informed my conceptual mind. Yeah, this this is born in my conceptual mind. My previous album "Hard" was such a the album heart was such a personal kind of thing. Right. This was a real fun and beautiful thing. Cause I've always loved the rubber soul albums. since I was 15 and working with all my bandmates and new people it was a real, like it was just the most kind of genuine and loving. And I don't get all kind of hippy dippy on the experience, but a lot of records for me are, they're real. Um, they can be real, like in my head, solo things, and it wind up being kind of like I don't want to say painful, but you know you you work that out. Well, it's hard to get it out. Yeah, this was translated this was through joy. other people. This was like people who love music, making music, and working with the world's best music. Really, in a way, I mean, but it, we all loved them too. I think that there was a great reverence because everybody loved that record. You know? So we got time for one more track here, and, yeah, and uh, listeners to the show have heard this one previously. It's only love. Yeah, this it's only love, and this is the last one we did. This is actually this was a John song, actually one of John's least favorite songs he ever wrote. He's wow. off and on the record is not liking this song, but it's a great song. And I was going to say it must be nice to be able to pick yes, a great song and say the I don't like that song. Is strong, and like yeah. the Beatles version does have a demo like kind of quality to it. it. Sounds like it was a quick take kind of thing, but. Uh, Gary U.S. Bonds did a cover of this that on one of his albums that Springsteen produced that ended up being a hit in the U.K. But this was the last song we did. I, it completed the picture of like what I wanted the album to be, the kind of whole gummy soul experience, and it rounded out a side. It just filled it in perfect. Um, and uh, Kristen does the lead vocal. It's just kind of a duet between her and I, and there's a big round of me at the end, getting very Beach Boysy. But I, it ended up being I, I really I ended up really really loving working on this one.
there from Matt Whipke from his brand new record. It's called Gummy Soul, Another Rubber. And again, he'll be appearing live at the Jewel on May 13th. That's a Saturday. And the Jewel is inside the Marriott Hotel down at 10th and Capitol in the Capitol District. There'll be two shows, one at 6.30 and one at 8.30. And so um, I kind of got to ask, uh, is your, you are firmly grabbing the third <laughs> rail of pop music. You know, and, and yeah. it's... It's so good. You're doing great, and it's great material. But it's pretty bold. It's um well, um, I think yeah. Like I mean, kind of like I said earlier, it's funny because you can think of it. You can think of things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you certainly can, and maybe you should. I remember one time in my old band, Anonymous American, our drummer Wayne, uh, Wayne Brecky was like, "We should cover Born to Run." And I'm like, what, are you crazy? Yeah. And that was my response. And I was yeah. like, yeah, right. What, what, uh, we don't have a saxophone, organ. Here I am, a big... It's, it was a cool idea from Wayne because he's not like... I revere Bruce Springsteen. And I couldn't see past that to the heart of covering a song. Like I'm Wonder right there Rock. with you. You know? <laughs> like, I couldn't, I couldn't see past it. I could see, I could see covering... I would do like I'm on fire. Some of this one man yeah. can pull this off stuff. I was like, you know, what, what are you talking about? You're nuts. And then it was sort of a challenge. And so we worked it out. We figured it out. We learned it. And, man, once we learned it and got it down, we played every show. Yeah. If something, if it was our go-to, if something, if we just had to come out and grab them. One time in Boulder, Wayne was like, let's open with Border. I'm like, you're so crazy, man. What are you nuts? And we're like, it was the last night of like a two week tour. We were like exhausted. Like, let's do it. I think we needed it more than anybody. Just yeah. Like yeah. our shot, you know, to get going. And so it was that, so that helped me initially kind of tear off like, and he's the, the reverence of like the cover song. And then the Brad Hoshaw band, we did a lot of songs very, in very different forms. We did purple rain kind of a lot different. And we, uh, Kesha's, TikTok song like uh, uh, the song the actual song was called TikTok it was a big hit in 2008 we did a it made it sound like Johnny Cash and yeah and, and people always seem to love it and so with when Drive My Car you know kind of kept getting its exposure it, we, I just like it was just fun to do it Keep fun being the key word this was so much fun to do so much fun to do and if, and that's like the thing it's like if people want to talk about like reverence and art and what's what can you touch what can't you it's like those lines kind of disappear when you realize just how much fun it is, you know? And really, it, I don't know, not to get like philosophical, but it sort of like carries on like a bit of a folk tradition. It's mm-hmm. a rock and roll tradition. Yeah. It's, it, it's like there's, it's kind of like a, a, an irreverent reverence. That's how I see it. I mean, those, they would do it. I mean, like they would, I mean, the Beals covered lots of songs, you know, in their They did. They did. And, you know, and they kept it, obviously, but we took this in like, Sometimes there's just utter deconstruction of stuff, really tearing things apart. But but the heart is all still in those things. Uh, a lot of a lot of it's the same. Um, if you're like this music's way different, it's like well, not necessarily. They're actually the same inversions. Like those, the chords are moving the same way. Like maybe this is like, whereas in pre, like the original version, you know, they'd be each chord would be held out for a measure. Well, then we like did it like a double time. So now there's two chords per measure, and so they're still it's still there. It's yeah, still yeah, there. yeah. It's just. And then uh, I was kind of like, and that this happens in like the, the art world too with paintings. You know, people like do different versions of other well-known paintings. Andy Warhol was famous, yeah. I think, for that, or, it's just, or the Lilies by Monet. Uh, yeah, and I saw Haystacks. some other. I was at the I, 
Well, I made this record. I went to the. I spent like several hours for like three on three separate occasions at like the Nelson Atkins Museum, okay. Art Museum in Kansas City. I go sure. down there and I just walk around and have this stuff in my mind and just kind of taking. I've been doing that lately. The last few albums, like going to art museums and kind of letting, trying to like let it all like kind of bleed well, into my head, you know. So, so there's, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I, as you know, I play and hear a lot of. Uh, what you might call a homegrown artist. I hear a lot of locally made records. And there's a difference between so many bands will go in and they'll record the song, <clears throat> whereas you are, you're constructing a big piece of art with a lot of components to it. Mm-hmm. And and it's got to be a totally different experience. And so as a songwriter and as a guy working in the studio, how did you how did you mature over the years from... I'm going to go in and record these songs, and each song is an independent piece versus creating an album, which is a collection, a statement of an artistic vision at a point in time. Yeah, it's it's. I think for most people, that for your first couple of times doing it across the board, like for just the people that you never heard about, and you know, in Omaha, your hometown, to, to somebody like. The Beatles, or like everybody's that, or Nirvana. You go into the studio, you scrape together enough cash, or maybe somebody's giving you just some time. And man, you usually come out guns blazing. Like you're like you're rocking those songs, you know, because you typically have played those together for like countless hours because you you learned how to be a band by right. playing these songs. And typically, you played a lot of shows, and it's such an automatic process for most bands. That first album is just a great snapshot of what they might have played at the show the night before. <laughs> right, right. Ideally, that's like kind of Van Halen ones like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they're set, and that's usually what pe- first band your record is. But if you do it long enough, you get to the point where it's like, okay, we've done that, and we understand how that goes. Um, and you're like, well, you know, you go, everybody falls back on like the the cornerstones, of like the rock album. Whether it's like for me, it would have been like London Calling or Blonde on Blonde or well, the Beatles, like the these records. I mean, which kind of perfected form of the album and then you're like you learn about some of those transitions i think for me personally bruce put out a harkening back to born to run he put out a documentary about the making of born to run um in 2005 i believe on like the 30th and 25th the 25th anniversary okay but um 35th anniversary but anyway that uh 35th anniversary but um 30th anniversary. 30th, yeah, math, right? Um, and then, it, it, man, listening to him talk about how he kind of constructed Born to Run and just some mm-hmm. stuff. It's like some stuff I knew because I knew that I knew his frame of reference what he was talking about, and it's like, wow, what a cool way to think about things, you know? Um, and again, he kind of was doing it from the perspective of 30 years, and he even says that like I, a lot of these things just happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I realized later in life I was trying to do this. But it was cool to hear somebody kind of enunciate it like that, and then you think of records as setting moods or themes or using seasons as motivators or time of day, you know, just out, outside of musical, trying to capture an elemental feel. Well, well it, it seems like um, there's songwriting and there's art. Right. And, and it's how do you take a relatively, I don't know, simp- simple is the wrong term, but you, you take a process and you put all the pieces together, and then you've thought about it enough to communicate it as an artistic statement rather than just a, a, a sketch or, you know. And, and to, 
I always envision like uh, reading like how Rick Rubin sits down with the artists mm-hmm. and they play records for days and they talk and talk yeah, and yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually they take those songs and they go into the studio. Uh, the process he did with Johnny Cash or when he did those interviews with McCartney. And and the, it's it's all thought out. The pieces are recognized. The threads are, are, yeah. are worked on. And then, you know, you have this, uh, Springsteen refers to how you have this sort of common thread or this common element that ties an album together. And and a lot of times I think he uses like, what, glockenspiel or something? Yeah, there's a sound. You can yeah. tie them together with sound, just a general feel. I mean, that's just the trickiest part in modern times, I think, and probably for a lot of bands is this, is is it's uh, even, even well-known acts, you know, you don't really get that, that budget. Yeah, it's all about the budget, man. Like they gave what, how much money they gave Fleetwood Mac to make rumors. Even Bruce had a budget for Born to Run. He wasn't like a he hadn't, he hadn't broke broken big. yet. Yeah, he well, they were going to can him if he didn't like, come up with something. Like damn the torpedoes, but it's yeah. basically like here's the money, here's the producer, here's the studio, here's your month. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to capture a feeling. Right. You have people together for an extended period of time. You just don't get that luxury in modern times, especially if you're so you have to. It, it's it comes from some other places, but. Um, yeah, I think the spirit of everybody can kind of tie it together. Uh, but, and you, yeah, you learn to, just ways to, the tricks of sewing the thread or, how, you know, a big thing for me was I learned how to mod, I, I, my buddy Glenn Smith, who's, who's uh, one of the guys in Pet Rock now, and uh, he taught me how to, like, uh, to set up a modulation. You yeah. know, modulating over five, something I can't take for granted now, but I didn't know how I always do that. But I learned how to do it, and it was like, wow, I can. Then you're like, that's what they do in concerts. That's what like, like the Who would do, or that's what like Springsteen would do, like from one song to the next through that sequence. This is just a circle of fifth thing, but, but talk about it because so the listener may not understand what you're saying. You're talking about sure. like you take the entire song up half a step or a step. Well, up. like let's say you, you just play a song in the in the key of C, right, and then. So the last chord, it like instead of going to a C to end the song, you know, like if you you would if you were go from a four to five. So if you go from the F chord to the G chord, and then you would go back to the one, the C, and the song would be over. But you want to you don't want to do that. You you want to play it straight through, right? So like let's say, well, the next song is in the key of D. So instead of going back to the key of C you would then hit like an A7, which is the 5 of the key of D of what you want to go to. So you're talking about connecting two songs together. You just put two songs together in a very, very typical way. But but, but there's modulations within the body of a song as well. Can be, yes. Oh, yeah, Yeah. we did did a few on this. I actually, the last song on Gummy Soul is Run For Your Life, which we flipped on its head, man. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It's 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 cool. It's interesting because it's it's just uh, it's it's nuts. But there's three sections, and each section modulates up. It, I can't even explain. It. I know what we did, and it's like it's fun to like listen to because it's like you know like yeah. three minutes. But it's like yeah, so you can do it. Country songs do that a lot. Okay, like in the country key changes, funny because that just like happens. Yeah, uh, Bruce uh, example since we're talking about Spree singing the song Backstreets was like. Um, he just da, 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 and it like he just does modulation in the middle of it. I can't think. Of it. 
I can hear it in my head, but I can't sing it. But it's just in the middle of Backstreet's. He just goes, goes to a new key. <laughs> so, so did you get to catch Springsteen on this current tour? Yeah, we saw him. I saw him in um, uh, St. Paul, March and 5th. what did you think? I thought it was really great. I, that was probably my 11th or 12th time seeing him. Okay. Um, it, uh, it, it felt like kind of heavy at times. He's definitely a guy that's looking back on his life. Yeah. And yeah. he's reflecting on who am I and was it all worth it. And that was a bit different yeah. from a Springsteen show. Like the Rising well, Tour wasn't like that. You know, uh, that was about new life, do a new, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so but I've been with him on his journey for a long time. So yeah, yeah. it's well, I, I like personal uh, to he, an extent. He so. took a lot more solos this time, you know. So whatever he had in his hand seems to have gone away, and he could take them. Yeah, I was. Uh, he did. They did a uh, Candy's Room, and he really burned through that solo. It was killer. Actually, yeah, yeah they the, the band played great, and it it uh, it's it's interesting because it does have like it had that heavy feel. But I bet I, I was telling my best friend we've seen him so many times together. It's like you know. It's like let's catch him. He's gonna go through the summer in Europe, and he's gonna come back to America. Yeah, yeah. Let's go catch that because those are always so. The script has been dismantled by that point, and it's just like joy and fumes. And it's like he literally is such a rock and roll like orb of energy that he needs like seven months to like. It's like some pitchers peak in like the seventh inning. Yeah, you know they're hitting like Justin Verlander was is famous for hitting like a hundred in like the seventh inning. Yeah, but starting in like '93, some people will come out. You know, yeah, I mean, Bruce. Yeah. This it's it. it it's, yeah. If everybody stays healthy, it'll draw out. Like that. So, so did you? Did he end the show you saw with uh, "I'll See You in yeah. My Dreams"? Yeah, that's a song about death. It is, and 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 to so he's got this. He, he builds the energy and builds the energy and builds the energy, and then the band walks off and he plays that, and you're like. Jesus, Bruce. <laughs> it's heavy, man. Yeah, it was... Uh, that's that's what I mean. So I, reflective. It, yeah, yeah. It was so... I was like... But it was it was great. I, it, yeah. But it was good. It was good in its own way. I enjoyed that he's always a guy that's... It's, it's a very cerebral dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, and honestly, like, I loved... Hear, I, I thought the solo numbers were some of the best, really. I loved hearing that story about... Um, his his uh, bandmate in the Castiles that passed away. We talked yeah, about him a lot. Uh, yeah, because um, he's the last man standing. Yeah. That's how he introduced. Yeah, him. and he gave a little speech at the end of Backstreets that like blew, blew me over. That was pretty awesome. About yeah, so it's and I was telling somebody about this. So I was thinking about this when he was he does his little part of the show where he, he talks and like this is coming from a guy who's got a Tony Award. Yeah, and you know you. At, at, the audience, whether or not they know it, they're getting a little Springsteen on Broadway sliver. Yeah. Well, he's definitely modeling And you, and you on thought that. this ticket was expensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I got to catch the Broadway show. Yeah. I got taken to that by my brother-in-law. That probably was awesome. It, well, we were in the sixth row center. Oh, my God. Wow. It was... Yeah, I mean, uh, did, did you watch it on Netflix? Yeah, I got to see him on a solo tour in Chicago in about... Probably like seventh row center. Yeah, It'd yeah. Be really close, but you know, it wasn't Broadway. It was a bigger theater. They have like two thousand, yeah, yeah, people, and it was a concert. You know, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a terrific performer. I know you're a big fan. Oh yeah. We're totally away from your project, but this is for podcasts only, so we can right. talk about whatever Sing we want to talk Beatles. about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do, do you have any like? Are you looking at anything new then uh, for the next project? Yeah, you know, I think it's been so fun working with. Kristen and even with Bob Kerrig 
we came up with a lot of these. Um, actually, it's kind of good segue in this next song. But like, so Bob came up with uh, the the synth bass and drum machines and kind of all these different new sounds. So this song, we're gonna end up with uh, Kristen singing the song "Girl," and it has zip on the vibraphones. My drummer Zip's playing the vibraphones and, mm-hmm. and Mike. And it's just a real. It's a it, the song's got a really interesting feel. I really enjoyed it, and it's like. I'd like to be kind of maybe do some more stuff like this. Um, so you think the next album will be original music, though? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, it's, it was good. To, like I said, it, it's funny because, you know, I haven't I've written many songs in the past, but, like, it's it's great to kind of get in work with somebody else's s- stuff for a bit. It's great for, if anything, it's really good for the, I think, for the artistic mind. And I, I it sounds weird, but, like, I was, other people, it, certain this happens to artists sometimes. Yeah, I'm not in no way is this like in any sense of comparison. But but Dylan's done this a lot. Worked with like cover material. Yeah, did those Sinatra records. Well, or did well everybody's doing that now. I mean, uh, the Black Crows is all covers. Rory Block's all covers. Oh, Springsteen's all covers. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Joanne Shaw Taylor's all covers. Soul, soul yeah. record. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of a thing right now. It's every, weird. I don't know why. I mean, I, ha- I know why I'm doing mine, but why everybody else is doing theirs, I'm not sure. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think it is, to your point, it's reinvigorating because, uh, yeah. you know, Springsteen's in that point where everything is so heavy with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now he's does this cult. Did you like the soul cover? Record? I've only heard the singles. I'm not too familiar with the whole album. Yeah. Give it a listen. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny. When, and the biggest reason is sometimes when um, uh, I'm working on a record, I... Uh, I'll I'll have like a handful of songs I listen to mm-hmm. that are like kind of like touchstones yeah. of this of this process and like I didn't want like Bruce is such a part of my musical vocabulary I didn't want him in my head at that point I didn't want his gotcha. idea of covers in my head you know it's yeah just, so so do you listen to songs and you're like that's the drum sound I want or that's the guitar sound I want you try to lift that sound out of that's think, someone else? Well, I think, I mean, we all use points of reference. Like, uh, are, you have it too, you know, whether or not you know it. You know, just all the records you've heard in your life, you sure. have those points of reference. Like, I, that guitar sound, this song, you know. Guitar, yeah. I do it like that. Like, ooh. Yeah, there's certain tones I think a lot of guitar players, like, hone in on. It, it, but but it, I got to think, is is you're, you're putting this thing together and you're rearranging it, and you're hearing a sound, a specific sound as you're going in to record that, and, and that... You're pulling that from somewhere. Well, no. Um, no. Yes, no. You have your frame of reference, but you also, at least at this point of doing it for so long, you can take your frame of reference and and then capture it and be like, okay, that now let's make it more me, and then dial yourself into it. I guess. Okay. Uh, and at this point, like I feel like with guitar and I, you know, I've been playing long enough with like between Brad and my own stuff. Like I feel like I kind of have like I can I have my sound. Like this sound, this record, like a lot of these songs, like it's like I we haven't mentioned him yet, but Corey Weber, like that's a Corey Weber solo. Well, guess what? He's my friend and yeah. old bandmate. I'll have him come play, and he'll want you know we yeah. love hanging out, we love playing on albums. So we're with Mike Friedman, like that's a Mike thing. Come on and play. It was sort of my I gotta I gotta pretend I was in, I'm not, so I'm not even I uh, I'll, I will listen to more Steely Dan as I get older. I don't doubt it, but. Um, <laughs> How they always just, they just like would pull players. 
Yeah. <laughs> just for guitar players. And it's such an absurd thing, but then you like, if you're ever afforded the luxury of knowing that many guitar players, try it sometime. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and um, on this on this song, Girl, um, we were talking about the kind of frame of reference, you know, how we mm-hmm. use that. And uh, Mike Friedman, I was kind of conceptualizing like with what to do with this song. I, I knew I kind of wanted Kristen to sing it. Okay. Uh, my initial idea, initial idea was like a somehow make it be like a an "Oh Mickey, you're so fine" kind of song. Okay. Was, I don't okay. know what that, that was. It's the, it's the furthest thing from it. Yeah, like it's this is more of like a a darker vibe. And um, Mike was like, listen to this uh, the the Portishead uh, Dummy album. Okay. And so we, uh, we listened to that, and then that sort of informed the feeling of this of this influence song. the way you were gonna yeah, go. yeah the yeah, feel yeah. of this of the song and that and, and i think you can hear that in, in a way well let's hear it and again uh, we've been talking to matt whipke and he's got a brand new record out it's a cover of the 19 tracks found on the rubber soul album by the beatles it's called gummy soul another rubber and there will be a cd release party that on saturday may 13th at the jewel at the corner of 10th and capital inside the marriott hotel there'll be two shows uh, one at 6.30 and one at 8.30. This is the song, Girl. <laughs> 